So we want to bring Christ to him. And God's just, he's just wired my heart to love more people and see more of them come to know him. You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with assurity that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining us here on Recovering Faith Podcast. I have a special guest today, uh, Rob Savolka, who is, if you've ever seen those signs at church history sites where it says the josephlide.com, this is the man behind that. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and give a little bit of uh, a little bit about your little bit of history about yourself and uh, what got you interested in. I know you weren't actually Mormon yourself, so what got you interested in uh, evangelizing to Latter-day Saints? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Gene. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, and as a kid, I remember the Mormon missionaries coming to my door, and I was probably about, oh, real young kid, I'd say around six, seven years old. And I didn't know who they were. My mom opened the door, and she said, well, thank you. We're not interested. And she shut the door on him. I'm standing there. And I said, well, Mom, what what, what, what was that about? And she said, oh, those are morning missionaries. And she said, they think you got to get to heaven by your own good works. And I said, no, they really believe that? So I went down the street chasing these morning missionaries down. And I hid behind the bushes of my buddy's place. And as they were walking up the driveway, I jumped out and I pointed my finger at them. I said, you can't get to heaven by your own good works. Well, they opened up the Bible to me. I don't know what it was. I can't remember that. It's probably the James 2 passage, faith without waking dead. And I nodded my head and ran back home, and that began my ministry to Mormons right there <laughs> as a real young kid. I was just uh, really fascinated by that. But it wasn't until probably eight years or so later, my uncle was pastoring in Southern California, and I was living in Houston at the time. And he invited me to come out and be a part of their high school ministry called Summer Servants. And they would do different things during the summer. They'd go down to Mexico and help evangelize down there and work in the churches. And um, also in California, we'd put on a junior high camp for uh, the kids in the church. And we would do evangelism out at the beach and at the local parks in California. And we'd take a bike ride down the California coast. and. Well, one of the weeks was going up to Utah. And so the youth pastor met a guy who used to work with the original Bible answer man, Walter Martin. And he had this guy by the name of Kirk Van Gordon come and train us in what exactly Mormonism was all about and how it differed from traditional Christianity. And then he and the youth pastor put us in a bus, probably about 40-some high school students, somewhere around there, and we drove up to Utah County, and they set us loose, going door-to-door, going around BYU and Temple Square, and but mostly, mostly door-to-door evangelism. And I just, I was fascinated by the whole thing. I I was fascinated by uh, just trying to understand how in the world do Mormons believe all this stuff? It's just incredible to me as a growing up in a traditional Christian family, you know. So 
I I was just really intrigued, and I uh, felt I eventually fell in love with the Mormon people, and I was uh, really impressed by my uh, by Kurt Van Gordon, who runs the Utah Gospel Mission, and how one time I remember we came across his apartment with Mormon missionaries. And uh, I I didn't know what to say to these guys. I was with another guy. And so I called Kurt up to come and bail us out. And I was just really, I was so impressed by the way he handled these Mormon missionaries. He had such a command about him and, uh, and such a loving, patient, uh, kind spirit to him when he was dealing with these guys. And um, he, he, he just made them not have any answers for what he was saying, you know? And I was just so impressed by that. And I wanted, I wanted to grow up and be like that. And so I'd start coming up here in Utah every summer to do varying amounts of time. And um, I, I fell in love with the outdoors of Utah and the people up here and all, you know, all the outdoor activities to do and how beautiful it is in Utah. There's like five national parks in the state. And so I, I ended up moving out here in 96 to do ministry to Mormons out here, basically. And uh, I... You had mentioned that, you mentioned that uh, the one gentleman you knew had a great, uh, he was really kind talking to missionaries. And, you know, when I, I actually served a two-year church mission myself for the for the Mormons. And yeah. when people would see me and, you know, yell at us and tell us we're, uh, we're going to hell in a handbasket or anything like that, I didn't pay any attention <laughs> to anything they had to say. But there was this one time yeah. where this... Um, knocked on doors and tracting is what they call it and knocking and so knocked on this one door and it was this uh, pastor and he said tell you what if you come in I'll give you 10 minutes to give me your best spill and tell me everything that you think I need to know about Mormonism and I won't interrupt you he said just tell me everything you can in 10 minutes he said and then and then give me the same courtesy, don't interrupt me, and give me 10 minutes. And I said, okay, it's a deal. Yeah. So I went in and talked to him for 10 minutes and gave him our best spill. And then and then using just the Bible, he laid out why uh, what I believed was wrong, but he did it in a real kind and loving way. And so I tried to uh-huh. back up, you know, my mission companion started trying to interrupt him. And I was like, Elder, no, no, we we agreed we give him 10 minutes and so we made a deal and then after that when we were polite and left i told him you know i tried to give it bear my testimony and tell him why the church was true before we left and then i went home and tried to convince myself that all the things that i said were true and then but later i had thought about that a lot and after my mission i started investigating and checking out some of the things that this pastor told me and realized that he wasn't that he realized that he was telling the truth, but it was because he did it in a loving way that it had an impact on me. <laughs> well, I remember something that I read of your testimony somewhere that I, somebody was trying to tell you the truth about Mormonism, and you you would not give any indication that what he was saying was actually having an effect on you. Yeah, well, you remember you, that? Oh, yeah. Well, you can't. I, I didn't even want to admit to myself that it was causing me to doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's uh, they they teach you that the, that uh, you're not supposed to. They say doubt your doubts before before um, they cause you to doubt, and so they want you. Uh, to, Everything goes back to, you know, they say, bury your testimony until you believe it. And I had a question asked my mission yeah. president, too. And he says, hey, he says, uh, you know that the Book of Mormon is true. And if the Book of Mormon is true, then everything else is. And, and if you don't know the Book of Mormon is true, you need to read it until you do. Well, I read the Book of Mormon, I think, 37 times on my mission. And wow. <laughs> and so um, 
I did not have that spiritual witness that the Book of Mormon was true ever. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I, that bothered me a lot. And so that's one of the reasons why I started checking things out when I got back from my mission. But a lot of people think that people like us, that we're, that we hate Mormons. And that's not true for me. It's that I got saved from it. And I, and I, I view it as somebody that's driving their car, uh, and the car is going to go off the bridge. And, you know, I'm st- exactly. I, I want to save them and stop them going off the bridge because I care about them. <laughs> so. Right, exactly. <laughs> it reminds me actually of what DNC 88 says, that it behooves anyone who has been warned and realizes the truth to turn around and warn others as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that, that would be the loving thing to do. The unloving thing would be just to shut your mouth and let people go to hell. <laughs> but we want to, you know, we want to do it with gentleness and respect, and we want to be winsome to them. And we want to, you know, act like Christ to these Mormon people that they don't get to experience Christ in, in their circles, you know. So we want to bring Christ to them, and God's just, it's just wired my heart to love more people and see more of them come to know them. You know, one thing that had a big impact, too, is when, when I was still super active in the church, I went to visit Nauvoo. And I was told by some of the RLDS people there that that the, which they're now changed their name, but anyhow, that told me that the Doctrine uh-huh. of Covenants changed a lot once Brigham Young took over the church. And I'm like, no, that's not true. So I bought a... Yeah. I bought an original printing of the Doctrine and Covenants, and I started comparing it uh-huh. to the current printing. I was like, wow, there's a lot, not, there's, yeah. there's a significant difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say that. I mean, we are seeing a lot of Mormons leave Mormonism. They, they, they're realizing, especially because of the Internet, all the problems with Mormonism. And unfortunately, too many of them are just going to write into agnosticism and atheism. I think I think I read that you you went into that for a brief period as well after you got for three years, yes. But three years, okay. So you know that's where we just we need more Christians to be patient, kind, and uh, speak truth and love to these Mormon people and tell them some just some basic. Apologetics, inviting the church, you know, pray for them, and you know, just really love on them. And fortunately, the the good thing is, is that we're seeing a lot more Christians move into Utah. Things are changing up here, and a lot of people are moving up. Primarily, I think from California because of all the political economic problems they're having in California. But a lot of people are being able to have Christian neighbors now that they haven't before, you know, and so that's that's been a good thing up here. Utah's dropped in, oh, I'd say in the last 10 years down to just, I think, just around maybe a little below 60% LDS. For, for the longest time, I remember it was like 70%, but, uh, you know, and then some of these places you go to, like down by BYU in Utah County, it's still really highly concentrated, more than down there, about 90% or so. But the general state percentage is, is, has dropped quite a bit. So it's a good thing, because I, I, my wife, she grew up down there in Utah County, and she's former Mormon, and she remembers this girl hardly having any Christian interaction at all. It wasn't until she went down to Dallas in the Bible Belt, right? <laughs> she started getting all this Christian interaction. Well, that's why I try to encourage a lot of people to think seriously about bringing mission teams to Utah and experience what I went through. And maybe, and I've known a lot of people that have done short-term trips up here that have ended up moving to but I just like to see more of these Mormons have interactions with Christians because too many of them haven't before. 
You know what's encouraging, actually? I mean, I keep track of stats on my website, and the podcast and blog episodes that are about about Mormonism or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as they're properly known, the uh, the episodes that are on that topic, the the areas where they're listened to the most are actually in areas that are highly concentrated with Mormons, such as Utah and Nevada and, and uh, Idaho and uh, pla- places like that, uh, which is encouraging because it means that that those episodes are reaching the people that I was hoping that they would reach. So um, did you meet your wife and while doing this uh, uh, missionary work to Mormons? Actually, she, um, she was living in Dallas. I, I was up here in Utah. And she um, started a correspondence with me because her friend that led her to the Lord in Dallas had met me in 2005. And uh, she she said to me, well, I got this friend of mine that I, I led to the Lord not too long ago, and she would be really interested in your ministry and what you do. So she gave Tara my website, womaninfo.org, and Tara got on there and just started feeling uh, kind of guilty you know, even though that she was Christian, that she was looking at one of these called anti-Mormon websites. But she got through that and just really had a burden for her LDS family. She wanted to see them come to know the God of the Bible like she had. And so she reached out to me. We started a correspondence. And then I came back out to Dallas in 2006, and we met, and the sparks flew, and <laughs> she started dating right away. And I thought, man, i got to get out of here and date this woman. <laughs> and the next year, we ended up getting married. And I told her that I wanted to come back up to Utah and do ministry to Mormons. That's what I believe God had called me to do. And she was like, I don't think so. I, I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm really enjoying the Bible Belt culture, you know, and, um, and she had grown up in very highly concentrated areas of Mormonism, Provo, as well as Brigham City. And she, that was, that was her idea of Utah, and she just was not excited about coming back. But I said, well, we'll just pray about it, and we'll see what God has. And sure enough, God started opening up one door after another and made it very clear to us that we were to move back up to Utah, which is where most of her family is. And she had the burden for her family, and so uh, God moved us back up here. She has four sisters, but uh, only one of them has has really made a profession of faith uh, since we moved up here. But she had a burden for her family, you know, to come to know the Lord like she has. And so we came back up here in 2009, and um, we've seen one of her sisters. She has four sisters, and one of the, the sisters, and her husband and their kids has made a profession of faith. But the rest of them aren't, you know, they're agnostic or atheist and uh, not really quite sure. Or just don't even care, really. Um, so but their, their mom is very much uh, a, a staunch Mormon. And, and she remarried, and her husband, who used to be Baptist, became Mormon. And they're, yeah, they're very hardcore Mormons. They live out in Oklahoma. She's a college professor there. She used to teach at BYU, used to run the Daily Universe, the newspaper there in Provo, and also taught at BYU-Idaho. And the whole extended family is pretty much hardcore Mormon, yeah. Huh. Do you have many people uh, reaching out to you and saying that they that 
they've checked out your website because you're a sign or your or anything and saying that they've uh, left Mormonism? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will. I've got a whole bunch of testimonies of people that have sent emails to me saying thank you for uh, just getting out there with a sign that was intriguing for them. That said, josephlie.com. You know, they don't remember mormoninfo.org. Mormoninfo.org and josephlie.com both go to the same place, but most of them remember josephlie.com. It really, you know, grabs their attention and it stays with them. So I'll give you uh, one example. I got this email back in 2013 of this gal that said, I saw you out in front of the Newport Beach Temple opening with a sign, your sign that said mormoninfo.org, and I put that on my shelf. She said, recently my shelf had come crashing down, and I just wanted to thank you for helping me to put some pieces together. Now, the Newport Beach Temple opening, get this, was in 2005, all right? So that was eight years it took this gal <laughs> to send me this email to thank me. So God uses an advertisement that really sticks in their minds. They can't get it out. And when the time is right... You know, the Bible says in First Corinthians 3 that it's some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. And when God gives the increase and the time is right, and people will go to the site in the privacy of their own home a lot of times, and they'll check it out. A lot of these Mormons are afraid to even talk to me off the street, because they're, a lot of them are afraid that you know, I might be the devil, or I might be too challenging, or they might even give the appearance that they might be doubting or questioning their faith, and others might be taking notice of that. Right? But they'll go home in the privacy of their own home, and they'll, they'll check out a website. There's no doubt about it. So when I get out there to advertise my site, every Next day, I get on Google Analytics, and sure enough, the stats, I get a good bounce out of it. It's obvious that people are interested in getting a different point of view, even if they won't um, publicly talk to me off the street well, you or didn't... take my literature. They'll remember a website that they can go home to and check out. You know, the first time I'd ever heard of you or seen any of your signs was actually when I was active in the church. And I actually did. When, when I, you were? When I was actually super active in the LDS church as the first time i ever seen one of your yes. signs. And I went and, okay. and then I went and checked out your, I went to check out your website to see what all lies you were telling. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and I didn't look at it too much in depth because... Because I thought, well, this is one of the things they tell us we shouldn't do because within will. And so I just briefly looked at it and then really didn't think much else about it for. Yeah. I don't. But then. Uh, but I tell you, honestly, the biggest thing that one of the one of the biggest things that caused me to doubt the church is when I uh, at a yard sale, I bought the entire uh, set of Journal of Discourses. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. I started reading things that uh, early church leaders said. And yeah. and that started causing me a lot of doubt. And then when I started mm -hmm. investigating some of these things about the church, I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't do it at home because I was married at the time and my wife was super into the church. And so I would, I would, um, uh, only check out these kind of sites at the library. Uh -huh. So I was, uh, I was, I didn't want anybody to know that I was uh, doubting because, you know, it's like yeah. as soon as somebody knows you're doubting, uh, 
I had one time somebody, uh, people from my ward, I'd asked a question that uh, they didn't like, and so they just all decided to kneel down and pray for me that I would find the truth. And, well, of course I did, but it wasn't what they thought. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I had... Yeah, a, that's that's the problem. You start studying, and yeah, it's just it, it's the snowball effect, you know? You can't unlearn. Just, Once you learn something, you can't yeah. unlearn it. I mean, there was a time in my mm-hmm. in my journey away from Mormonism where I thought, well, you know, I really wish that I could still believe this because my life would be so much simpler, but I just can't. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a I know that's I mean, God has given you a real heart for truth, and until that happens. You know, nothing's going to happen. We're we're dealing right now. My wife and I are dealing with this gal that my wife's in the occupational therapy pro- program at the uh, University of Utah in the graduate program there, and she's got a bunch of friends there that are Mormon students, and so we're, she's been going back and forth with this one gal about how. You know, it works for me. You know, this is, she's got family that have left the LDS church, and and she's just really not interested in delving into these problems and thinking about Mormonism and how it's not of God, because, you know, it works for her. It just feels good for her, and that's, I mean, what do you, what do, you do with somebody like that? If, if if that's all, if they're putting all their eggs in that one basket of feeling good and this works for me, then what, I mean, what, what in the world are you going to do? I mean, it's it's pointless to keep you know beating a dead horse with all the factual information when they don't even care about the facts. You know, my so, my ex actually told me that even. She got mad at me because she said I was causing her to doubt the church. And she said that mm. that even if she knew it was not true, even if it was she was completely certain it wasn't true, she would keep going. And I said yeah. and you I know, said, even if it mean meant that you would not go to heaven and she said, Yep, I'm like, Wow, that's dedication. Yeah. I mean that is a perfect example of someone that does not love the truth, which Jesus claimed to be. You know, I mean, as Christians, we don't have all our ducks in the world. We have a lot of problems, sure, but we're still trying to, we're trying to learn and get to know the truth better, because that's our priority. That's the, our Lord, who's the truth, you know? Because God has given us that heart for truth. And uh, these poor Mormon people, that I mean, they, they are more in love with their family. They are more in love with their friends, their church, their, you know, their cliques, their kids, and all this stuff, eternal marriage and all this stuff. It's like family has become their idol. And if that's if that's where their heart is, you know, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Well, our see. treasure is in Christ. He's what it's all about. Sometimes and that's what Christ uh, said. Sometimes God has to do something that'll change their life around and before they will yeah. before they're in a position that will where they can uh really come to him because as long as they're content with where they're at, uh they're complacent and it's, nothing's going to change. And so sometimes, right. you know, we've, we've just got to be there for them when that happens. But, you know, God's got to yeah. soften their heart and you know, before it'll ever happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so sad to see these people that are just so in, in love with their family over God. It's just, it's really a sad thing. I mean, Jesus said very clearly in Matthew 10, that he didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword to divide father against son, mother against daughter, and all these family members that are going to be torn apart because of him. 
Well, in Mormonism, that's just, that's just hard to wrap your mind around, you know. But for us, we got to pick up our cross daily and follow Christ. And that is going to entail that a lot of people, even our own families, are not going to be happy with us. So, yeah, it's, you're right. We've got to be there when they understand that Mormonism is hopeless. And we've got to encourage them, we've got to pray for them, and we've got to love on them and trust that God will cause the increase, as he says in his word. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, there was, uh, they tr- the church is trying so super hard to appear Christian outwardly. Um, that's why they yeah. they don't want to be called Mormons, even though it was good enough for all the leaders before. But they don't want to be called Mormons. They don't just uh, and they even uh, and they're trying so desperately hard to appear Mormon. I mean, not Mormon to appear Christian. Uh, but it's when you actually learn the doctrine that you learn that it's not in line with the Bible. But then, but then by that point, once somebody's already in the church and fallen in love with the with the whole idea of eternal families and and uh, all of that stuff, then they can it's like they can go along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they're locked in, and if they start having doubts, then the problem isn't. It's got to be them. It can't be everybody else. I mean, this is just such a wonderful place, and you read the Book of Mormon over, and it's you know, relatively innocuous. It doesn't really give you Mormon doctrine for the most part. And you pray about it, you got a good feeling, then here, why don't you try something a little deeper and you start looking at this stuff and you're saying, my God, this really, this can't, this is what you want me to believe? I can't, I mean... Oh, I, I've got to have the problem here because it's got to be of God because I've already received my testimony and I've got all these loving people around me and it's, man, it's just such a sad thing. Well, you know, um, when I was, when I was struggling is that I never did have this testimony of the truth of the church, like people say that you would, but, but I wanted to believe it so bad that I, uh, because everybody was so mm-hmm. nice that I just bought into mm-hmm. it but after a while I got bothering me that I never did have his testimony and then finally it occurred to me that you know I always thought that maybe there's something wrong with me and that's why I didn't have a testimony and then I got to thinking that it was more like the emperor's new clothes that nobody has a testimony but since they think everybody else does they don't want to be the only one and so they pretend mm-hmm. And so everybody's mm-hmm. pretending, but they don't know that everybody else is pretending. Mm-hmm. And some you don't think any of them has a spiritual witness? Well, some of them may, but I think most. I think the majority of the run of the mill uh, of the members are probably in a position where they didn't have some kind of spiritual witness. They or, or they took something really small to, and interpreted that as having a spiritual witness. Because I mean, it's kind of. Uh. I mean, it's kind of the definition of what people call a spiritual witness is kind of vague and um, ambiguous because they say, oh, well, it's a good, warm feeling. But yeah. but just because you get a, a good feeling about it, I mean, I didn't get, I never got anything that I'm like, oh, yes, God's definitely telling me that the Book of Mormon is true. I never had that. And I don't think mm-hmm. that, and I don't think that anybody else has either but i think a lot of them had they generally think it's a good book and they have a just a good feeling about it and they interpret that as god told them that it was true yeah mm-hmm. because i mean since well, it contradicts you know, the, the bible it, Proverbs, uh, yeah exactly uh, i mean it makes me think of Proverbs fourteen twelve, where it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Yeah? Or Jeremiah 17, verse 3 or 5, I think it's 9. Yeah, that's it. It says, the heart is more deceitful than all else who can know it. 
I mean, we play all sorts of games with ourselves. You know, some all these psychological games to psych ourselves into believing stuff, and yeah, it, it's it's a crazy game we play. But yeah, Satan uses that nonetheless, and keeps a lot of people from the truth because of it. It makes makes me think of when they're little kids, you know, and and. Dad's whispering in their ear, okay, you say, I know that the Mormon church is true. I know the Book of Mormon's true. I know the Book of Mormon. And they repeat this. And I know that Joseph Smith's a classic God. And they're just, they're spoon-fed this testimony that they repeat over and over and over again. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's got to be true because this is this is the language that they've learned from from being a little kid. How could it how could it possibly not be true? It's all they ever mm-hmm. ever known. See, when I was uh, mm-hmm. after my mission, I was I happened to be thinking about because you know uh, I happened to th- be thinking about th- about the uh, King Follett discourse. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and so I. I, I wasn't trying to cause problems, and I wasn't. And at this point, I wasn't actually having big doubts about the church, but I just wanted some answers. So I asked my bishop, and he told me he didn't know, so I should ask my stake president. So I go to so and uh, state conference. I meet up with my stake president and asked him uh, that I told him that I had a question for him, and I and he so we, we went in a room so we could talk, and I said and asked him about the that couplet as. God is, or as uh, as God is, or as many as God once was, as and as man is, God, God once was, right. yeah, and as yeah, uh, the Lorenzo Snow, yeah, and as and so I said, so if if God, if we can be a God someday, and God used to be a man, and he said, yes, that's true doctrine, and I said, okay, well, then God became a God because he followed all the rules and his God and made him a God the same way that we will be someday? And he said, yes. And I said, so if you follow that through to its logical conclusion, then then the God that we serve has a God. I said, so why don't we yep. serve the ultimate God instead of a lower God? And he thought about that for a minute. Yep. I could tell he'd never had that question before or never even considered it. And then he said, you know, Brother Curl, that's a good question, and I don't have an answer for it. But I can tell you this. If you keep asking questions like that, I'm I will be forced to excommunicate you. And that's yeah. and that's pretty much when I went inactive. Yeah, the red flags came out. Call, call, call. You know, I mean that that is a great example of what cults do. They did push them in the corner, and they don't like yeah. it. They'll just excommunicate you because they want control over their members. See, it didn't, they don't want you to think for yourself. It didn't bother me that he didn't have an answer, but it bothered me that he threatened to excommunicate me for having a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he was... Well, praise the Lord. Nice God man. used it and got you out. And, you know, there's people that... There's people that I've never thought would leave the church that is, that's left, and I've, every once in a while I have people emailing me and telling me that I helped them get out of the church, and I praise God for that. What do you think is uh, the most important thing that a Christian could tell a Latter-day Saint? Well, I would share my testimony with the Latter-day Saint, and I would tell them about the peace you have with God, the forgiveness of sins you have with God, and that you do have eternal life now because you know the Son. And the Son, because First John 5, 10 says, this is the record that God's given to us, eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has eternal life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, in Mormonism, eternal life, as you know, that's exaltation. (laughs) That's That's the highest thing you can get in Mormonism. 
well, why in the world would I need Mormonism when I have eternal life? Well, and that's when they have to go through their whole story of the restoration and how we're all corrupt and the Bible has been tampered with and many plain and precious truths have been taken out because of this great abominable church in the dark ages, you know, and it needed to be restored through the prophet Joseph Smith as a 14-year-old boy. And so they start going through the story. So when they start going through the story, I think it's very important for Christians to start poking holes in the story and in their testimony and just start challenging it. There's a really big contradiction, actually, in the Joseph Smith story I noticed on my mission, is if you have the Pearl of Great Price open, and you're looking at the left page there, and then you're reading, and Joseph Smith says that he often wondered which of all the churches were right or if they were all wrong together. Then on the facing page, uh, when he meets, uh, meets God and Jesus Christ, and he says as soon as he got uh, his faculties again, he asked him which of all the churches were right and which he should join, because at this point it had never entered into his mind that all were wrong. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it says though that he often thought about it. As I said, it, uh, it, it says he often first, thought. Yeah, think, it says he often thought about it, I, and that happened in the timeline first. And then I'm like, wait, wait, what? So I went back and read it, and 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 I had asked, and then I yeah, asked my mission president about it, and he said, well, I think it was just a tight, uh, misprint, and they just never church never did correct it, but. <laughs> I don't, but it does well, that's to... one way of answering it. <laughs> I mean, if I was a Mormon, I would just say it's only relative to that time in which the context was the great re- revival that was going on and the churches were fighting amongst themselves. And so at that particular time, which all this thing came down, he started thinking about it. Before that time, he never thought about it before. Yeah, see, that that explanation makes more sense, where... He wasn't saying that in that that before that exact moment he'd never thought about it. Well, he did he did say specifically, I remember him saying that at that point he had never prayed vocally before. Yeah, that's true. Do you he remember that. that? Yes, he did. Uh, I but, mean, do you really expect me to believe that a fourteen year old boy in that religious culture back then had never vocally prayed to the Lord before? That is <laughs> that is somewhat difficult. That's to a believe. little hard. That's a little hard to choke down. Well, also too, there is um, if you read uh, with this whole thing about about this, uh, there was actually no the first missionaries that went out for the church never even heard about that the first vision, and nobody heard about the first vision until quite a while later. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, and there are several different versions of the first vision. But my only, my biggest problem is, is like people can forget details about things, but if something that significant happened, and if God actually visited you, you wouldn't forget details about that because it'd be so significant. Right. I mean, yeah. you might forget some details about what happened at your grandma's house for Christmas, but you're not going to forget. Yeah. I, I mean, he remembered more details about the angel Moroni visiting him, and he only wrote one version of that, but he had uh, there's at least six different versions of the first vision, and that seems to be more important than the angel Moroni visiting him. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing is really fishy there. But I mean, when I what I try to tell Christians to do is to just poke holes in this testimony. The Mormons are so big in this testimony, and you just you've got to be you've got to ask them why in the world would you believe that this is really from God, especially when I know what God has said already in his word. He's given us his record in his word. And why would I believe that all these plain and precious truths have been taken from the Bible 
and then he can't trust it anymore. And we've got thousands upon thousands of Greek and Hebrew manuscripts, early Greek and Hebrew manuscripts that we can check to see if they're consistent or not. And God has promised to preserve his word. He says in Isaiah 40 that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Jesus said that not one jot nor one tittle will ever be lost from the law until all these things should come to pass, you know. Jesus said that scripture cannot be broken in John chapter 10. So why would I believe that this testimony that you're giving me, that you know that the Mormon Church is true, really trumps everything that I get from the Word of God, which contradicts your testimony. I mean, how do you really know that this testimony is from God? And even if it is from God, uh, the Bible is quite clear that God can give a strong delusion that you would believe a lie. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 talks very about this. Something that occurred to me on my mission, but I never would, but I didn't quite admit it to myself at the time, but is I happen to be, I happen to think that I believed that the church was true and that it made it true. But when I got to thinking about it, if something was true based on just how much somebody believes it, then in by that definition, I would have had to have believed that Islam was the true religion because if the prophet had told me to crash an airplane full of people into a building full of people, I was no way I would have done it. But these yeah. Islamic terrorists mm -hmm. believed that their leader told them to do it, and they believed so much that that's what God wanted them to do that they did it. And so based on just yeah. belief... They they had a stronger belief in their faith than I did mine, and I started thinking, well, maybe there's got to be more than just belief to make it real. <laughs> and that's part of the reason mm -hmm. why I started studying about the church so much is I thought, well, I need to increase my testimony, and I need my testimony to be based on more than just I think it's true. I need to to study. Yeah. you got to have some facts. And the Bible encourages that and says to test all things and hold fast to that which is good, as First Thessalonians 5.21 says. The Bereans in Acts chapter 17 were declared to be more noble because when they got the word of God from Paul, what did they do? Well, they searched the scriptures to see if these things were true or not. They lined up. That's, it wasn't, you know, you just pray about it and get a good feeling and you know it's true. You just believe it because everybody else is believing it. No, it's not that. It's got to line up with the Word of God. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 1, if we or an angel from heaven give you any other gospel than that which you've already received, it's to be damned. You're not to listen to it. And the Mormons are clearly going against what God has always said in his word. They're giving a different gospel. They're teaching a different God. They're teaching a different Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's being taught by false prophets that do not meet the tests of a prophet of God laid out in the Bible for us. And so I encourage Christians to challenge Mormons on this testimony, and then once they are challenged and are, you know, basing everything on their feelings, then you bring them into what God's Word actually says about God being the only God, that He doesn't know any other God beside Him. In Isaiah 44, verse 8, Isaiah 44, 24, where he says, I am the Lord who makes all things. I stretch forth the heavens alone. I spread abroad the earth by myself. And you point out to them, this is directly contrary to what Joseph Smith taught about us growing up to become gods, the same as all gods have done before us. It goes contrary to what is 
taught in the temple ceremony, where you have Elohim, one God, sending out two other, two other separate persons to organize and form the heavens and the earth, Jehovah and Michael. Right? Michael later becomes Adam, we find out. And this, uh, and then you have the Book of Abraham, chapters 4 and 5, that talks about the Lord said, let us go down, and they went down in the beginning. That is, the gods organized and formed the heavens and the earth. The gods called the light day. The gods did this. The gods organized the expanse. The gods, the gods, all the way throughout Abraham chapters 4 and 5. It directly goes against the God of the Bible, who doesn't need help to lay out the heavens and the earth. He does it all alone. He does it all by himself, because he's the, he's the all-powerful God. He's the most high God. There's no other God that is on equals with him or that is above him. He didn't have to bow down and follow some other Heavenly Father somewhere, in order for him to progress to become a god for us. That's just blasphemy. It's not the God of the Bible. So you need to point this out to your Christian friends so that they can be able to be competent in ministering to their Mormon family and friends. You know, I've had... I've had a few Mormon friends to say to me, well, what's the big deal? We believe in the same God. And I say, no, actually we don't. Because the God I believe Mm -hmm. in was always God and will always be God. And the God that I believe in uh, came down in human flesh. He wasn't wasn't a created God by another God who used to be a man. And they... That's true. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that is... I think that is an important thing to know about God because if you're not, if you're not, if you don't believe in the correct things about God, then you don't really believe in believe God. That's right. Yeah, and that's why John chapter seventeen verse three, Jesus said, "Here is eternal life, that they might know Thee, the only true God, in Jesus we know Son." And that's why Jesus warned of false prophets in Matthew chapter 24, 24, that would come in the last days and would teach false Christ. The Apostle Paul, he warned about those that come that teach another Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, another spirit, another gospel. And this is what we find in Mormonism. If Mormonism is not teaching a false Christ, a false God, then I, I don't know who is. Right? And so I try to encourage Christians to poke holes in the testimony, and then once they poke holes in the testimony and, and get the Mormon to loosen up a bit to where they're open to seeing what God's Word actually says, then just take them through a few passages of Scripture that define for them who God is, and that Jesus has always been God from the beginning. It it reminds me of another friend of mine, Gene, that I met out in the temple, right out in front of the Southgate Temple Square one day, and he used to be Mormon, and... uh, I think he was raised Lutheran, and then he got involved in the Mormon Church. He went on his mission, and he ran into these Christians that just really gave him a bad time. <laughs> he would just keep arguing with this this guy Gene on his mission, and Gene became so upset that he would go he'd go back to his place, and he would study up on his free time to prove these Christians wrong. And he'd go back and he'd argue again, right? And he'd go through this. Well, he he ended up going through his mission as a Mormon, went back to BYU. And so these, I'm sure these Christians thought, yeah, what a waste of time this was, arguing with this hard-headed Mormon, right? 
Well, Gene, he said, went through BYU. He did the whole Mormon thing, was faithful going through the temple and stuff. He said one day he, he stopped by a gas station, and there was a book by Billy Graham called You Must Be Born Again. And he read through that booklet, and at the end of the booklet, it says to start reading through the Gospel of John. So he did. He, he picked up this this booklet, this book, and it encouraged him to read the book of John. And so he started reading in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing was made except by the Word from the beginning. Well, who's the Word? Well, verse 14 and 18 clearly defines for us who the Word is. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So James went back to verse 1 and stuck in Jesus there. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God from the beginning. And he said, at that point, Mormonism was gone. Right? He said, because Jesus was the creator of all things from the beginning. He was fully God. And he attributed that aha experience. Well, not only to God, but I mean, God used those Christians way back in Australia that were trying to pound this into his head, and he just wasn't getting it at the time. <laughs> but it was all in God's timing, and Gene finally got it. And he said, these Christians will never know until we get to heaven what kind of impact they had on me, you see. And so... Stories like that that I hear from other people, they, they keep me going, and I hope it encourages your listeners to keep giving the Mormons the Word of God and hope that God will use it, because, I mean, God does say it, and I have to keep on it, but His Word does not return void. It'll accomplish that what it's set out to do. Either it's going you know, to save people or it's going you know, to condemn them on the day of judgment. They should, they should know better, right? But we've got to be faithful and keeping, keep giving these Mormons the Word of God and praying that God will use it as a seed and, and ger- germinate it and cause it to grow in good soil and that they'll have good Christians that'll uh, continue to keep watch over that plant that's growing up, you know? So, yeah, I really want to encourage not just Mormons, but I want to encourage Christians to continue to being faithful and giving the Word of God out to Mormons and letting God do it with however He pleases. So if people wanted to contact you, what's the what's the best way they could reach out to you? Well, probably uh, by email, rob at mormoninfo.org. That's my ministry email. Uh, I also, uh, you know, you can go on my website and find the contact information there. My website, again, is mormoninfo.org or josephwhite.com. I also run a website, which is a general apologetics website called Courageous Christians United dot com or dot org, either one of those. And I also do ministries sometimes to Jehovah Witnesses. I've got a website, it's called jwinfo.org. And I also reach out to Muslims on occasion too. I have a website called MohammedLide.info. It's M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D, MohammedLide.info. So those are the primary ways to get a hold of me. And, uh, yeah, I invite anybody who has questions or just like chat to give me an email sometime and get a hold of me. Um, you could also get a hold of me on my phone. I, I'll screen my calls, so just leave a voice mail for me. My, my number is 801 792 That's 801 
that the reason they're shutting them down is because of us street preachers. It's just, it's created too many problems for them. I mean, I remember in Nantai years ago where I was talking to a young kid and his, I was presenting the gospel to him and his folks came by and dragged him away from me and he was saying, that's nice. He was telling his parents, he was, he was yelling at his parents because he wanted to hear what us Christians were saying. And so, you, I mean, I just got to believe, because of all this, that we've just created all these problems for, for these millions and they're just getting tired of it. Now, they, they are continuing the Easter pageant in Mesa, Arizona. Of course, they're continuing the General Conference. They're continuing the Nauvoo pageant in Illinois. And they're continuing the pageant in England, which happens every few years or so out there. And I think the reason they're doing that is because they don't have as many Christians showing up that cause problems for them. So I'm just trying to encourage all the Christians that are listening to this. Hey, guys, you know, if you if you want to see these Mormon events shut down, we'll then get out there and start evangelizing. And we might see more of them shut down. Thanks thanks for coming on this, and uh, God bless you in your ministry. Yeah, well, God bless you. I'm so thankful that God is using you to reach out to so many people that are, you know, Mormon or those that are just, you know, just... They've thrown out the baby with the bathwater, and they don't want anything to do with God. So I'm glad that you're out there and being a light for these people. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.